headquarters in Strathbane, reminding him he had not sent in a full statement about a break-in at a small hotel on the road to Drim. He ambled into the kitchen and made himself a breakfast of bread and cheese, for he had forgotten to light the stove. Priscilla had presented him with a brand-new electric cooker, but he had childishly sent it back. He fed Towser and stood on one leg, irresolute, looking like a heron brooding over a pond. Depression was new to him. He had to take action, to do something to lift it. He could start by typing that report. On the other hand, Towser needed a walk. The phone began to ring again, and so he quickly left the police station with Towser at his heels and set out along the waterfront in the hot morning sun. And it was hot, a most unusual state of affairs for the north of Scotland. He pushed his peaked cap back on his fiery red hair, and his hazel eyes saw irritation heading his way in the form of the Curry sisters, Jessie and Nessie. The eyes of the village spinsters constantly accused him of being a heartless flirt. He touched his cap and said, "'Fine morning!' "'It is for some, it is for some,' said Jessie, who had an irritating habit of repeating things. "'Some, on the other hand, are breaking their hearts.' Hamish skirted round them and went on his way. Resentment and self-pity warred in his bosom. He had once helped the Curry sisters out of a dangerous jam, and had destroyed evidence to do so. Damn it! He had helped a lot of people in this village— why should he be made to feel guilty? His thoughts turned to Angela Brodie, the doctor's wife. Now she had not turned against him. He walked up the short path leading to the doctor's house, went round the back and knocked at the kitchen door. Angela answered it, the dogs yapping at her feet. She pushed her fine wispy hair out of her eyes and said vaguely, Hamish, how nice. Come in and have coffee.' She cleared a space for him at the kitchen table by lifting piles of books off it and placing them on the floor. "'I don't seem to have had a chat with you in ages,' said Angela cheerfully. "'Heard from Priscilla?' Hamish, who had just been lowering his bottom onto a kitchen chair, stood up again. "'If you're going to start as well,' he began huffily. "'Sit down,' said Angela, startled. "'Start what?' Hamish slowly sat down again. "'You have been the only one who has not gone on about Priscilla,' he said, his Highland accent becoming more sibilant, as it always did when he was angry or upset. "'Oh, I see,' said Angela, pouring him a mug of coffee and sliding it across the table towards him. "'I only asked about Priscilla because I assumed that you and she were still friends.' "'And so we are!' said Hamish. But you wouldn't think so with this lot in Loch Dew. You would think I was some sort of Victorian philanderer the way they go on. It'll blow over, said Angela comfortably. These sort of ideas spread through these villages like an infection. Mrs. Wellington started it. Mrs. Wellington was the minister's wife. She started it by complaining that you were a feckless womanizer and things like that. You know how she goes on. But you brought that on yourself. How?
She happened to overhear you doing a very good impression of her to delight the Boy Scouts. Ah, and so she got a resentment to you and shared it around. Resentment is very infectious. It has always fascinated me the way, for example, one malcontent can bring a whole factory out on strike and keep everyone out on strike until the firm folds and they all lose their jobs. Also, you're going around being so gloomy. That fuels it. You look like a guilty man. I'm a bit down, confessed Hamish. The fact is, I've taken a scunner to Loch and everyone in it. Hamish, you love the place. Not at the moment. You're due some leave, aren't you? Get right away on holiday. You could get one of those cheap holidays in Spain or some of the African...